Welcome to Business Drivers, the podcast dedicated to helping you be a more effective digital leader. Business Drivers is presented by Farron, and I'm your host, Jim Keen. Each episode, we connect you to leaders and ideas that unlock new growth, both professional and personal. Today, our guest is Panara Eng. Panara is an exemplar of the modern marketer. He's at home talking about the basic brand fundamentals like insights, consumer need states, beliefs, positioning, and all of the digital things from e-commerce to content strategy to data and analytics. Most recently, he was leading digital marketing at Cambria, and if you've seen any of their digital work, you know that he and the team there have good taste, and they make highly effective content that drives both engagement, awareness, and conversion. I just love how he thinks. He's disciplined, but curious and flexible. I wanted to talk with Pinar specifically about content and how to build good plans for 2022, how to organize for it, and how marketers should be thinking differently about their content next year versus the pandemic year. Check the show notes online for ways to connect with Panara after this episode. Thanks for listening. So Panara, as a marketing leader, what are you excited about right now? As a marketing leader, I guess the most um, exciting thing uh, was the uh, galactic success story of, of getting to space and, and Richard Branson. I, I saw that live with my kids. They were inspired. I was inspired. And you know, at the end of the day, he's a great marketer. Um, and so that was all very inspiring. So was that the world's most expensive PR stunt or was that legitimately a space effort that also acted as a marketing ploy? I, I think the latter. I think it was a legitimate space effort. I think um, the achievement was real. Um, certainly looked cool the way that uh, Unity kind of dropped and then shot straight up. But I think the the marketing discussion to me is around his decision to undercut Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I mean, on one level, it seems kind of childish um, to get there and get the spotlight first. But after a successful launch, I don't know. I think that may have been the right call. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to get too in, engaged or like emotionally invested in two billionaires yes. kind of fighting each <laughs> other for a space race, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, and I think they have like six, 700 pre-orders now at a quarter million a piece. I think you have to drop 10,000, but I think the tickets are a quarter million to get up wow. there. So they have customers. So. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, candidly, I haven't really been watching that as a marketing story. I've been watching it more as like a space industry evolution story, but I, I got to relook at that in terms of just pure brand building and marketing. Yeah. The, the thing that is impressive about it is ABC, CBS, NBC, they all aired it live, CBNC. So it was all streamed live by all those networks. And it was a huge two hour commercial for them. Uh, they had their own hosts that brought in their own experts. And at one point he aired a two minute kind of brand anthem almost, yeah. but it wasn't a brand anthem. It was really a dedication to his mom, Eve. Yeah. And, uh, it was beautiful, beautifully done, narrated by him. <clears throat> she passed away like six months ago from COVID. And so it was a big thank you to her for inspiring him. Oh. But it had all this great old footage and it was just perfectly done. And that was, uh, you know, aired right right as he was launching. So it was oh, very that's powerful. Great. Yeah. That's, re that's really cool. Yeah. So obviously a lot has changed for marketing leaders in the last couple of years. When you think about senior marketing leaders, what should they be focused on now to try to get oriented and get positioned to really accelerate? Is it, you know, should they be looking at changes in the media landscape? Is it changes in creative and content? Like, What should they be focused on? 
they should be focused on uh, consumers' consumption behavior. I'm a really big fan of kind of ground up thinking when it comes to this stuff. So really uh, in the old days when I was at an agency called Hebing, uh, Hebing's a great agency in Madison, Wisconsin, they like to say that they're audience led. Yeah. And so it's the same kind of idea. Um, it's, it's, you know, a discipline approach to marketing is to understand audience insights. But as it relates to content, people are consuming content in a different way, drastically different. TikTok is probably kind of the prime example of that. TikTok itself is fragmented into all kinds of ways of consuming content. Right before, you know, kind of in preparing for this call, I, I noticed a person on TikTok that has like 8 million followers, Erica Thomas, I believe. She's a beekeeper. Yeah, yeah. And so- Is she the one in Austin? Yes. Oh, okay. so you know her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I just watched an episode and it was crazy because, you know, to be a beekeeper is pretty amazing to have a swarm of bees around you and your body and not get bit and not have anything. But she just kind of talked about how uh, they swarmed her truck and they were missing their queen. And she's, it was like a longer video and it was really compelling. And so uh, it's a lot more than the stuff we know TikTok for. It's evolving really quickly. Real estate is really big in TikTok now, for example. Yeah. Um, and things like... Uh, Erica with the beekeeping, the lengths are changing, the styles, the, the kind of formats you can do on TikTok is changing. And I think it's really fascinating. And I think even the other social media startups are a little bit uh, behind on some of the cons consumer consumption patterns that TikTok is kind of validating. Yeah. So let me dig into that just a little bit. I, yeah. in, in the uh, admission is I'm not a heavy user of TikTok. And I think it'd be easy to chalk that up to demographics, but I made a choice early on not to get myself involved in a new platform. But you know, I, my sense is that we've moved out of the TikTok phenomena phase, like, hey, this is something brand new and everyone's figuring it out. And I think yep. we're now into the phase where like, okay, this is it's here for it's here forever now. Yeah. You know, kind of like Twitter went through that, hey, it's a it's a phenomena but now it's here for good. Yeah. What are going to be some lasting behavior changes that TikTok will have driven among the consumers on that platform? I think TikTok is the most unabashedly uh, kind of ADD centric platform. And I think um, I was listening to a, an older person in the stock market kind of space, the founder of Benzinga, uh, talk about why he loves TikTok. And he was like, I have ADD. I, I you know, I can't watch like when you watch YouTube, it might be a, a one minute intro. Yeah. <laughs> might be a long intro. Well, uh, TikTok might cover the same ground. Like how do you, you know, free up memory on your iPhone, but like in 20 seconds, first yeah. you do this, then you do this, then you do this, then you do this. And then people love that. So I think it's the most, generally speaking, the most ADD centric platform and also the most musically inclined. I think their big breakthrough was to get real music licensing deals, um, which allows you to use really great music. And so I think that is really the, the fuel behind TikTok has been the fuel is just the great music that, yes. that folks are discovering. And, you know, it came out of Musical.ly, uh, which was kind of a the whole thing with lip syncing and things like that. So that is kind of its, uh, its origination. And the music is a big part of that. But after that, it's, it's uh, ADD, short attention span. Yeah, one of the things I did admire about it when I first was looking at it back when it was Musical.ly was they weren't trying to mimic other formats. Um, they they right. weren't trying to, 
you know, be another place for shows per se, right. You know, with the typical structure, it was something different. And, and I, I think, I think you're right on with the sense that, you know, if it was mimicking anything, it was mimicking or, or trying to be an evolved version of a, of a music video versus a show. And I think that was important. So what's right. going to happen to other platforms as they try to, as they try to learn lessons from what's working for TikTok? I think the, the big news of the day relating to other platforms is Facebook. I mean, they're, they're giving away a billion dollars to creators. I think that was in the news yesterday. Again. So, yep. So, you know, I, I think this pay to play buying influencers is a big strategy that I'm interested in seeing unfold, whether they can literally pick up some of the coolest uh, people out there and just all of a sudden uh, create uh, a creator community on Facebook. You know, I think that music is not going anywhere. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the technology revolution is that you can make editing easy. And I think that that's a technical point that not too many people talk about. It's hard to edit video. It yeah. was hard to edit video. Yeah. So um, in exploring TikTok with my staff, it's, we have a video editor and we have a social person and the speed is, is night and day, right? Yeah. So for lighter content, we'll just TikTok it. And for uh, more significant content, we'll do interviews and we'll light it up and edit it and give it the proper um, intros and outros. But TikTok, it's the same day and we're posting it and she'll shoot a bunch of takes and TikTok will use AI to help give you a piece together thing. You pick the music. Um, so that AI helping you to edit is kind of the, the game changer technically. Yeah, that's really a great insight. Um, I was talking to a friend the other day and we were referring to TikTok as the Tumblr for videos. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, you know, you've got the tools to make something that is good enough and cool enough and interesting enough and visually fresh enough. Um, and it's not ever attempting to be quote pro, right. unquote, but also significantly entertaining. So yeah, maybe I got to get back on there. Well, it is interesting, you know, because uh, maybe three weeks ago, Estee Lauder, I saw on LinkedIn that they are now on TikTok and beauty talk. It's a hashtag beauty talk yeah. is huge. Like the beauty category is huge on TikTok. Yeah. And so we can kind of say these things that sound obvious, but then there are people and there are companies that have made decisions or have stalled on, on jumping into TikTok, including Estee Lauder until recently. Yeah. So as, as obvious as it sounds maybe to us, there are people that are still hesitant to, to jump on. Yeah, I think for, for Estee and, and maybe some of the other brands have got a really strong presence on YouTube because they invested there finally. And, and maybe they are, are still trying to figure out Instagram and the role that Instagram plays vis-a-vis -vis YouTube. They're probably looking at TikTok saying, oh my God, now what? How do, how do we be good here and there and that other place? Yep. Yep. But TikTok is 3 million, 3 billion downloads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think surpassed Facebook. Uh, so it is not a matter of, oh, we have to hit every little platform. Yeah. What, what's not being recognized is this is the new king. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this or, is the dominant platform for your future customers, if not your current customers. Yeah. Or at least the ascendant king. Um, yep. Yep. And I, and I think TikTok's going much faster on direct to consumer commerce than YouTube and that's right. Instagram's good, but I think TikTok's probably in front of them. So yeah. And YouTube is still uh, shorts is still in beta. Um, yeah. And uh, so 
TikTok is way ahead. Uh, and even though Shorts is trying to copy that, that format, it's still struggling to really be full blossom here. So you've got a really impressive track record in content-driven brand building, working in a couple different zones, both you know beautifully polished content, but also fast, sort of ephemeral, casual content. So many marketers are struggling with this. It's, it's probably the second or third thing I hear from just about every marketer. Yep. Um, like, how do we get better at content? How do we make the right stuff? How do we do it efficiently? How do we do it in a, in a slightly agile way? How do we stay on top of everything? So what are the best marketers doing to get content right, broadly speaking? Yeah, I think uh, a couple of things. Number one, topic choices. So there's a gold mine that everybody has that not everybody taps into. The gold mine is your customers, are your customers, and your employees. I mean, that's where the resonant emotional action is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, why do people choose to be at your company? Why do people choose to, you know, stick around? Why do, why do customers love you? Why do customers rave about you? And so that is a treasure trove of content, your customers and your employees. You know, before you start thinking about very ambitious ideas, you know, we're talking about Hollywood kind of sets and action and effects and things like that, uh, maybe conferences or whatever, look internally to your employees, your colleagues, and your best customers. The other thing I would say is the production cost has just dramatically dropped. Yeah, yeah. An amazing 4K drone is 1200 bucks. Yeah. It's a D DJI Mavic or something like that. So you can, you can get a drone shot in there. There are drone operators uh, for a couple hundred bucks a day uh, with less experience. Um, and there's really fantastic drone operators that can certainly be affordable in a smaller budget. So get those shots. And between that and the, the real life adventures of your company and your brand, I think TikTok and all of these other platforms allow you to get it out the door, actually kind of mandates that you get it out the door really quick. And so I, I, I think people don't need to overthink production value. Yeah. Um, they don't need to overthink topics. I mean, start with your customers and your employees. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of folks and they're getting hung up on, you know, what are the distribution points? Is it Instagram? Is it TikTok? Is it YouTube? Is it Facebook? Is it our own platform? And they're getting caught up on like, how do we actually produce it? Do we, you know, farm it out? Do we do it internally? And what I'm not seeing enough, and this is my next sort of set of questions is the, the marketers sort of thinking through how do we actually tell compelling stories? So what, what's your advice for a marketer that knows that they need to do this They've heard you as you recommend going to your customers and your, your employees. How do you get them ready to find the right kinds of stories to tell? I think it starts with, um, and hopefully as a marketer, you agree with me. I think it starts with understanding your value proposition um, and, your, and your company's purpose. I really do think that. In my new role, we don't need to go into detail, but in my new role, I came up with a tagline that I think speaks to the company's um, kind of mission statement and things like that. And the tagline is to your success uh, because uh, our CEO is very dedicated to empowering real estate agents uh, to have successful real estate careers. 
And so I came up with the tagline to your success. And that allows me with that kind of offering to the marketplace uh, of potential agents and, and, and consumers allows me to have a theme for all of the content. And so you need to start with that overarching message, which will then give you topic ideas. There's a ton of value in what you just said, but I'm going to pick up on two things. Yep. One is, well, well, I know you weren't mentioning it because it was the key point. The tagline that you created to your success is a really important mnemonic, I think, for marketers. That idea of like, look, you're, you're trying to shine your light on other people and the right. things that they're doing, hopefully via the support of your product or your brand, but you're shining right. your light on them. So it's yep. your success. That's right. And I think the other thing that is inherent in what you just described is you need to tell a compelling story, not make an advertisement. I'm, I'm seeing a ton of marketers get hung up on feature the pro you know, it's just the obvious stuff like feature the product, make the logo bigger. I'm going to borrow that phrase to your success. I'm going to modify it a little bit, but that idea of like, you got to tell the story of other people's successes. Absolutely. Or, or something that's inspiring or, you know, what they've done. Right. And uh, another thing that we do is what I call micro content. So we met an agent who's new and she won an award for rookie of the year. And so we have a quick episode, we'll call it an episode, 30 seconds long. And it's hashtag, you know, secrets to success. And it for 30 seconds talks about, you know, she believes in giving first and she believes in pouring her heart out and, and really be connected to her potential clients and our clients. And she specifically talked about writing like two or three notes a day as a discipline and reaching out for coffee and lunch and dinner um, and knowing their anniversaries and knowing their birthdays. And, you know, you, you've heard people say, Hey, you know, have great relationships with your, your clients, but she went into detail and really made it true and really made it believable that that was her secret to success. And that secret to success kind of rolls up and ladders up to, to your success. And so we're highlighting somebody's success. And then the tagline says to your success because we care about your success. So that's an example of a piece of micro content whose theme was informed by the messaging strategy and the tagline. Hmm. That's great. So um, you hear a lot about brands and marketers trying to be storytellers and that idea of using the framework of a story to, to lead to better content is, is that something a marketer should be thinking about is, is they're building content out? Yes, absolutely. I think the idea of ad blindness is a relatively, you know, understood concept, banner blindness, ad blindness, and, and exactly Jim, uh, people want to be entertained. That is absolutely the way to go <laughs> or educated, you know, and people who have done sponsored content and are doing are in the space of sponsored content and advertorials, they've really taken it up a notch for the entire business. I mean, the content out there on, on Bloomberg, on New York Times, on Wall Street Journal, in the Star Tribune that is sponsored, you know, those are real articles now. And, and uh, I don't know the specific data around this, but I think journalism students, former journalists would make great folks on that kind of initiative. Because yeah. people are expecting real content, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and the the best brands are doing it in a way where it's not just a thinly disguised that's right press release or you know product detail video. They're they're actually right. making genuinely interesting 
stories that just happen to be including the brand. So, all right, now I got to put you to the test for a little bit or, sure. you know, ask you to, to illuminate some things for us. What are the brands or what is a brand that you're getting inspired by right now that might be an example of the things that we're talking about? You know, besides Virgin Galactic, which I think was an awesome achievement. <laughs> and uh, really, he is one of the better branders out there for sure and marketers. I think Ford Lightning uh, launch was great. Really fantastic. You know, I am on the waiting list for the Cybertruck. Obviously, there's cool edgy stuff going on there. And I want to be cool like everybody else. So I'm on the waiting list for Cybertruck. And then Ford, you know, came out with an F-150 in electric and on its face, not so inspiring, but if you kind of zoom in a little bit, I think it's a great marketing play because when somebody takes a certain chunk of the room, which is the cool edgy kids, one way is to be the same and, and come out with a crazy Ford. Yeah. <laughs> but another way is to really double down on what you've achieved and your loyal client base and what they love and all the research that you know about your number one product, the number one selling pickup truck in, in the world or something like that, and really deliver the things to that group of people. And instead of turning them over and looking for the cool kids, really delivering for that group. And um, I think they did a fantastic job. I also think the content was amazing. There was a, prior to the launch, I think there was a a series of commercials, but also stuff on YouTube that is more like content than a commercial. Yeah. Linda Zhang, the chief engineer, took a bunch of guys and showed them how the F-150 could pull a train. <laughs> and yeah. it was, a, you know, it was a neutral, um, but it was a train. And it was like, not only was it a train, but it was filled with like 20 F-150s from way back when. <laughs> it was, That's um, great. And she did it. And then she like pulled off the cardboard paper and then it said electric. And then that extra blew them away. <laughs> But Linda Zhang, the use of Linda Zhang is something that I was also inspired by. It wasn't a model, you know, it wasn't a TV personality. It was the chief engineer who happened to be uh, a Taiwanese immigrant to America, yeah. um, who is just uh, fantastic, but super authentic. I mean, yeah. she, she made the thing uh, in terms of being the chief engineer. And, and so that authenticity and that credibility was really strong. And uh, the results prove themselves. I mean, they have a ton of pre-orders, their stock's going up, um, and it's a company that is shaking off its kind of legacy thing. And I feel like a lot of people think that it's going to do fine in, in the kind of oncoming electric revolution. Boy, I, I, I couldn't agree more on what Ford is doing. Uh, for a couple different reasons, I watch that brand pretty closely. Oh. There's, some, there's some family reasons for that, but okay. um, I got lucky and I met a couple of the marketers from Ford about, uh, I'd say seven, seven or eight, seven years ago is when Farley, Jim Farley was just announced as the CMO and mm -hmm. he was in a room with another CMO that I respect an enormous amount. And you knew right away that he was going to get the top shot or top slot someday. And he was going to rejuvenate that whole thing, that whole brand. Yeah. He's just, he's a really compelling guy. And I know some of the dealers that uh, are Ford dealers and they love what is going on. It's, it's pretty cool. It's a cool story. That's a good call out. It is cool. And uh, the idea is so simple that it makes you think, why aren't other people doing it? Because you take an iconic silhouette like the F-150 and you, you keep it the same, essentially. Yeah. Think of a number of uh, 
cars that I would love to see just pure electric versions of, you know, Range Rover, Land Rover Defender 110. I mean, give me the electric of that, right? Yeah. Um, but it's also interesting that they own a piece of Rivian, uh, which is more of the Cybertruck category of being super cool and super new. So um, kind of doing both the Rivian and the F-150 will be kind of an interesting challenge for them. So my sons are trying to badger me into getting an EV and I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but I do think I'm going to put money down on the new Ford Maverick, the small pickup. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a great value. And then uh, my hope is that the next thing I get is a Rivian. I think. Yeah, the Rivian. The Rivian is pricey. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope, I hope business take, I hope business takes off and I can afford a Rivian. <laughs> well, the Rivian is also a good content story. Um, they've been testing for the past nine months. Uh, I don't know if you follow Rivian. A little um, bit. They've been testing, right, driving up South America, essentially, just this mm. crazy adventure, and they have their team with them, and it's an international team of engineers, and they really do that documentary style that we're kind of talking about uh, where they interview these engineers and, you know, they're sleeping in tents sometimes, they're calling their family back home. Um, they're putting the truck through its paces, but it's really entertainment about this squad that's been testing the Rivian. And at the same time, you're seeing that the Rivian can undergo, you know, enormous climate is, you know, they can go through this desert, they can go through all these um, tough roads, but it's also a story about this crew testing the Rivian. Is that the project with you and McGregor, or is he doing that on the electric bikes, the electric motorcycles? He could be associated, but I've seen plenty of episodes where he's not in it at all. So okay. I, I think it could be separate. I think that's a different project. Yep. When you think about the next 12 months ahead, what are the kind of leadership skills, not the functional skills, not the practical skills, not the creative skills, but the actual craft of leadership? What are those leadership skills that marketers should be working on now? I think that marketers need to think more like the CEO, more like uh, a founder, uh, more like a chief operating officer. It, it goes hand in hand. And I think these things are blurring. I think that go-to-market strategies and, and those kinds of things need to be a part of a marketer's thought process. Yeah. Um, direct to consumer sometimes. I mean, when you, when you talk about some of these other kind of marketing topics, they sound very much entrepreneurial um, and the kinds of things founders would think about, you know, your route to market. But even uh, in terms of your employees and, and the kind of skills they have, are they diverse in terms of their skill set? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the things we're talking about almost begs the question of whether you should bring some of this social media stuff and this production stuff in-house. And I think that marketers need to be able to um, hire people and build teams and build production studios and really think about uh, the relationship between in-house versus the agency uh, because I think the speed to market is so critical that there are some advantages to in-house. So this might be a longer offline conversation, but your thinking is marketers should be biased to taking some of the content creation and social in-house versus outsourcing it. Yes. I mean, if you're, here's an example. If something spontaneous happens with your CEO and all of a sudden he's, you know, on the golf course with somebody or anything like that with an agency, you're scheduling that and yeah. it's a shoot with a smaller company or a more nimble company, 
you know, you're riding, you're riding in the back of the truck and then you go to the studio, you meet them there and you get, and you put it out and you're published the same day on TikTok or something. Yeah. And so I think that is kind of what I'm talking about. You need to be able to be that fluid and be that timely compared to other roles or, or um, other moments. I feel like even a week is way too old after an event. Uh, it almost feels like it has to be same day, if not mm-hmm. the next day. And if you can have that kind of agency relationship where it can be like a quick reaction to things, yeah. that's great. But I think um, in-house does allow you that. Okay. Um, going back to the initial answer to my question about leadership skills, um, your answers really resonate with me. The I would characterize what you described as, um, you know, go to market model, business model. I would describe those as sort of general business strategy or, organizational strategy. And I think that call out to think like the CEO or the founder is really important. I, I still see a lot of marketers that are, are focused on, I think appropriately so, but like, who's our consumer? What is our needs? What is the message to reach her? What is the right creative? What are the channels to use to get there? You know, that's right. And that's good, but great is, do we need to rethink the product experience? Do we need to rethink our business model? Do we need to think, you know, the partnerships that we use to go to market? I think that's a really good call out. It's tough to do that, to think like yeah. the CEO, but good yeah. marketers that have a chance that, that aspire to the CMO seat should be thinking like that. That's right. I mean, COVID in terms of marketing is okay. We're going to go touchless and we're going to do science with QR codes, but in terms of disruption to the economy, um, you know, work from home, uh, it's widespread, the disruption to the, to the economy. It's not just disruption to uh, marketing and the way you uh, do yeah. banner ads <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. or collateral. Yeah, I think, so this is my secret little rant. I, I think three or four years from now, th- there's going to be a whole generation of marketers that have been heavily influenced by their experience with Peloton. And they're, they're, they will have finally realized what a pure digital brand looks like. So, all right. I want to do a couple quick hit questions. So sure. what is a book or podcast you'd recommend to marketers now? I'll start with a non-book. I, I do a lot of uh, Harvard Business Review in my LinkedIn. Like yeah. I h- highly recommend following them. They, they just publish such great meaty content. And again, back to the, uh, the lack of attention span. I love it because it's, you know, high level Harvard stuff, but like in one page. Yeah. And so I, it's just enough for me to read in the morning and it's always very, very insightful. So I highly recommend just following them on LinkedIn. Yeah. A book that my CEO just recommended that I read was uh, Seven Levels of Communication by Michael mm-hmm. Mayer. It's a fantastic read so far. It's a, it's a few years old, but I think the point is, you know, when everybody is texting and emailing and um, doing all the messaging stuff, there's an opportunity to use the face-to-face, especially kind of with the COVID unwinding here, to really create some momentum around your business. And it really talks about the power of face-to-face and it really proposes that online interactions is a promise. Chapter eight talks about online interactions as a promise to a future physical meeting. Mm. And so if people kind of think about it that way and being in real estate now, I realize more than before the power of kind of networking and and relationship building. My CEO calls it a people business. It's really the power of helping people and giving first and uh, getting stuff kind of on the back end of that, right? Over time. And so being generous and giving first uh, and talking to people for no reason except to check in on them and help take care of them where you can. 
uh, and the power of that kind of communication, I think is, is important as it relates to leads and customers, you know, that interaction is so critical and designing that experience so that everyone is really happy, I think is, is key. So I'm reading the seven levels of communication by Michael Mayer. That's great. All right. So in the marketing space, what's getting too much hype right now? What's sort of a distraction? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. I don't know if I know of anything that I'm sick of reading about. What, what, what's a distraction for you? I think there's a lot of hype around Clubhouse and I don't. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw the news dropped. Um, so I think right now the, the buzz is it, will it survive? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So what's getting underhyped or underrepresented or underrespected? Um, in terms of opportunity, I think that uh, TikTok is uh, something that needs to uh, be focused on. I think that, you know, whenever Facebook announces a billion dollar fund for creators, uh, that's an opportunity. I think that uh, in general, Instagram is, uh, we're, we're finding that Instagram is outperforming TikTok in some ways. Mm -hmm. So I think, for example, real estate is big on Instagram. Reels is interesting on Instagram. So I think Instagram is compelling and uh, TikTok is really compelling. And I think that's very hyped up stuff, but I think that my experiments with it is that it works and it's great. Cool. So. Well, listen, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. This is great. I learned a ton. Um, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for listening to Business Drivers presented by Farron. Find us at hellofarron.com to learn more about the work we do, sign up for our newsletter, and find articles and resources to help you grow as a leader. Or find us on Twitter at hellofarron or on LinkedIn. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend. It's the best way for us to grow our audience. We'd love to reach more people with the work that we're doing. And if you have ideas or advice or feedback or complaints, please reach out to us on Twitter or send us an email at bizdrivers at hellofarron.com. That's B-I-Z-D-R-I-V-E-R-S at hellofarron.com. Until next time, this is Jim Keen saying thanks. Thanks.